Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of Worst to Best. My, what was, what was going to be a monthly little segment that I do for the Minutites podcast where I would rank films uh, of a certain series or of a genre, which I haven't done that one yet, uh, in order from worst to best, depending on how I personally feel about those films, you know. I don't look at Rotten Tomato scores. I don't look at Metacritic. I don't look at, you know, the what other people think about movies. Everything is based solely on my personal feelings on these films. And, of course, this one is going to be about Superman. My all-time favorite comic book character, superhero character. And I was going to do this back in February because February 29th is his, you know, comic book birthday. But... At the time, I had recorded something. It was about like 45 minutes, almost an hour, and I wasn't happy with it, so I decided I would postpone it to today, April 18th, which is his the anniversary of his comic book debut. So that feels a little more fitting, in my opinion. And, and normally, when I do these worst to best rankings, if you watch my previous ones for Spider-Man and Batman and Halloween. I would have, you know, music in between each film, and I would have the picture of the film up on the screen. Now, because the program I normally do these thing, do these or edit these podcasts with is not functioning right at the moment, and as you already know from my <clears throat> my classic wrestling pay-per-view watch-along with ECW Barely Illegal, I'm not able to edit the videos and podcasts like I normally would, so you're just going to get me talking to the camera, as you can see me on YouTube, uh, just completely uncensored, unedited, unfiltered, no pictures or music or anything like that, which, you know, according to the analytics uh, that I have, actually working out a little better for me, you know, so we'll see how this works out, but yeah, if, you know, you can also listen to this on Spotify and Google Podcast, Radio Public, Breaker, and, but yeah, like I said, this is all about Superman. I'll be reviewing the let me see seven films of Superman. Yes, seven. Um, and just so you people know, I just like with Batman's list, I do not count Justice League or Justice League. Uh, I'll wait for the official Zack Snyder's Justice League to come out before I decide to count that as part of my rankings. But I have my notes for a few of the movies because uh, I did watch all of them over the last couple of days. Uh, some of them, I won't need notes because I've seen them enough times that I pretty much have it all memorized in my head. But yeah, most of the uh, list comes from this little pack right here, the Superman Motion Picture Anthology, AKA the Christopher Reeve series, uh, and Brandon Routh film. Um, gonna kick this off with the bottom of my list, what I consider to be the worst Superman film. It is Superman 4, The Quest for Peace. And I do not have any notes on this one because uh, I just it's just such... I had a hard time sitting through this movie. And it's only just about an hour and a half. It's the shortest Superman movie. Uh, live action, at least. And it's just... It is so bad. It's just... It is just so, so bad. I don't... Yeah, and I understand this was a bit of a passion project uh, with with regards to the story from Christopher Reeve himself, uh, because you know it's called the quest for peace, where the whole 
point of the thing was that he was going to bring world peace by, you know, and even spoke at the, the UN, or at least it was supposed to be like a version of the UN. Uh, and he said that he's going to rid the world of nuclear weapons and, and it's just, I mean, the sentiment is there, but the execution is just so, so poorly handled and, and just, and the, the VFX, the, the, you know, just so, it's just the cheapest looking effects that I've ever seen of any superhero movie. And cause they literally just cut, they just cut and pasted the clips of him flying from the first Superman movie. And it, it is just so, so bad, so bad. And, and let me, yeah, cause I'm trying to remember who the names of some of the people that are in this. Let me, uh, see, uh, right there is Superman four and yeah. Mariel Hemingway, yeah, she's uh, supposed to be like a in there is like a love triangle kind of thing between Clark and Lois, and it's just kind of weird because she's the way she performs it. I don't know if it's that that's how the director asked her to perform it. Let me see who directed it. That's uh, Sydney Fury. Never heard that name before. Um, but that's just. Like Jesus was a little too much, like, like if you you know how Nicole Kidman as Doctor Chase Meridian was in Batman Forever, where she was just you know all over Batman every time she saw him, it was kind of like that, and and I don't know it's just it was just so even as a even when I was a kid because this was the first Superman movie that I ever watched, and even as a kid it was a little it was weird to me. Um, you know, but now as an adult, even though it's still weird and a little too much, you know, I can appreciate how good she looked at least, <laughs> but, uh, and we also have, a uh, John Cryer in here as Lex Luthor's nephew, which is funny to, I find very funny now because he plays Lex Luthor on the CW Arrowverse, if you could still call it Arrowverse since that show ended, uh, on the, the Supergirl, you know, the shows and on the crossovers, so it's just kind of funny that he went from playing Lex Luthor's nephew to being Lex Luthor, and he was he was okay. I mean, you know, you know, you have to consider you know it's television. There's only so much you can do. Yeah. But then again, Michael Rosenbaum was was great as Lex Luthor on Smallville. So, yeah. but at the same thing on you know, Smallville, they actually cared about telling a good story. Yeah, sorry, I know people out there that love the CWDC shows, and I get that. That's cool. You know, good for you. Continue loving it as much as you can you want. You know, it's just... I watched it in the beginning and just... I watched the crossovers and I love the crossovers, but it's just keeping up with it regularly. Just, I don't know. I, 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 I have a hard time with that. Um, but yeah, the, yeah, he plays his nephew and he's supposed to be like like the typical, like, you know, idiot, you know, kid from the 80s. That a lot of these the movies back then had, which is kind of a stereotype when you look at some of the like the shows and movies in recent years that are like you know supposed to be like very eighties, super eighties kind of move kind of stories, and uh, and we we do get Christopher Reeve coming back. We get Margot Kidder and uh, as her Lois Lane and Jackie Cooper as Perry White and Mark McClure as Jimmy Olsen, Gene Hackman as Lex Luthor and 
the dude that plays n- Nuclear Man, which is supposed to be Lex Luthor's answer to Superman, because uh, it's and he creates him from uh, like you know nuclear weapons that are launched into space and like thrown into the sun, and a piece of Superman's hair that was at a museum that it because it was a single strand of hair holding like a thousand pound weight or some shit like that to show how strong Superman's hair is and yeah it's a single strand of hair even though it's actually just like a just a black string and yeah and then they clip it off and Lex Luthor uses that to create his nuclear man which is some big jacked up dude in a very ugly suit and and Gene Hackman Hackman's voice why I don't know but yeah and and I remember as a kid, like I said, because this was the first Superman movie that I ever watched. As a kid, you know, because as a kid I was in, I was stupid, so I thought it was the greatest thing I'd ever seen. But now at the, now that I'm 33 and I actually understand how films work, I realize how fucking garbage this movie is. And just, you know, this was the movie that, you know, was the was the nail in the coffin for for Superman movies for for a very very long time, and just. Uh, and I feel bad for Chris Reeve that this was the his the film the, the last film that he did as Superman because Superman character is it is Christopher Reeve's legacy, you know. And it's unfortunate this was the the final time he got to play the character in such a such a shitty film. It was so it's just so so bad. It's so so bad. And I don't know. Yeah, it's and I, I I I have no good things to say about about this. Like normally, you know, like for my Batman rankings, you know, like as much as I much shit that I talk about Batman and Robin, I could still find things about it that I liked with the with Superman four, other than you know liking Marilyn Hemingway's how she looked in the movie. Besides that one little thing, and even that's not enough. That's not enough for me to say anything good about this movie but you know I know there's people that love that love the Christopher Reeve movies all all of them and that's great you know he he was my first Superman as well so I get it and I'm not gonna knock anyone for loving it I just think Superman 4 is the worst Superman movie ever made and I'll even go as far as to say it's the worst superhero film I've ever seen you know I know there's there's some bad ones you know the, the, the Fantastic Four 2015 film was garbage, but even I'll take that over Superman four. <sighs> uh, moving on to the next one on the list, we have Superman three, and this one I did take notes for. Yeah, it's not a lot of notes. Well, I mean it's a page and a half worth of notes. Yeah, because you know it's been a long time since I've seen Superman three, and I just wanted to make sure that I got some of this information right. So let me see. Yeah, the only I have it right here on the top. The only Christopher Reeve Superman film. To not feature Lex Luthor, which is funny because you know Lex Luthor is supposed to be Superman's number one enemy, and this is the only uh, Superman film to not have any of Superman's like enemy enemies like General Zod or Lex Luthor. Those are his number his num his two biggest enemies, and neither of them are in this. So that was an interesting one. And the other thing also, because like I said, I had not seen this in so many long, so many years. I. I didn't realize just how goofy Superman 3 really was. Like, 
like I understand the Christopher Reeve Superman films were very campy, you know, had their cheesy moments. That's fine, I get it. But just Superman three, I didn't realize just how campy and ridiculous it was, uh, especially in the opening of the film where it's like it's you know they're in Metropolis and you got this blind guy where the his seeing eye dog runs off and then he accidentally grabs like like a construction worker's thing you know like the, when they work on the roads that paint the yellow stripes he starts walking that and then knocks a guy into like a, a manhole that's uncovered or some shit um and a, a guy that has a bunch of remote control uh or wind up penguins on a ta- on a like a little fold out table get that gets knocked over and it's like you know, one of them uh touches something that has a flame on it so it's like it's gonna it's like it's almost like a walking bomb now it's a lot of over the top shit and a guy that you know to to swerve to avoid hitting someone or something he crashes into uh, a fire hydrant and the water from the fire hydrant fills up the inside of the car which i don't know if that's actually if that's physically possible to do but you know they did it in this movie and ah it's just so so many ridiculous things and it's just uh, like this, this is definitely the goofiest of the Christopher Reeve Superman films, and yeah, I don't know. There, there's an audience for 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 those for the goofy stuff that they did in this. There's people that love it, and but the you know, but probably the goofiest thing was the deleted scene with the little kid that was on the seesaw. I'm sure some some people might have seen that before. He's on the seesaw, and a piece of construction thing falls on the other side of the seesaw, and he does a flip into a tree and. He, and I had to rewind it like three or four times when I was watching the deleted scenes after I finished watching the movie, and the kid he's like weep into the tree, and I, I could not stop laughing my ass off at that scene because it's just so, so fucking ridiculous. And I mean the whole the whole film is ridiculous. So, but it's just that scene was just so over the top. Uh, and then we have Richard Pryor in here as the uh, let me look at there Gus Gorman is the character that he played. Uh, I mean, I love Richard Pryor, but just even he was a little too much in this movie. But that that's just me. I don't know. Um, yeah, but yeah, the basic plot of the film is uh, that Clark uh, decides to go back to Smallville for his high school reunion and wants to write a story on that. You know, for the Daily Planet, which you know to try to you know show that he can be a, a real journalist. So yeah, yeah, I gave myself a buzz cut, a quarantine buzz cut, as I call it. You know, for anyone that's you know wondering what's going on with this if you don't follow me on my social media then so you didn't you didn't see that already and um, anyway, we also have a annette o'toole uh on here playing lana lang and she's also she also plays martha kent on smallville so you know she has her her credentials as a you know character or as a dc comic i guess you could say legend or dc you know film tv legend because you know she played two I guess iconic characters, yeah. Because Lana Lang was Clark's first love before he went to Metropolis, and Martha is, you know, of course Superman's Earth mom, and and I and I forgot just how beautiful she looked in this movie. I you know, I mean she's 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 a beautiful woman even even now. Looking at some recent photos of that I saw of her and her husband Michael McKeon, uh, and she she looks she still looks great. She does. No, but here in Superman three, she was just like extra beautiful, you know. And anyone who's seen the movie will will understand what I mean. And um, 
And one of the things else, you know, things that I remember from is like as soon as he gets to Smallville, because he was there with Jimmy Olsen on assignment. And let me look at the I have the notes right here. Yes, yeah, a Superman puts out a power plant fire by literally freezing a lake and flying it over. Yeah, it's like he literally he goes over to a lake that's like a few miles away, like a hundred something miles, I think. Whatever the the firefighter said, he freezes it and then literally picks it up. Like remember in the theatrical Justice League where he is holding, he's flying by holding that apartment building. It's basically that, except it's ice. It's like he literally freezes a lake and carries it over, and then lo- drops it onto the pirate power plant, and the fire melts the, the ice and the turns into the water that puts out the flames. And like I said. This is, this is the most ridiculous and over-the-top Superman I've ever seen. You know. Uh, but, yeah. And, and we have uh, the, the, the great Robert Vaughn playing the main antagonist. And he's Mr. Ross Webster. And he's a, you know, big, rich, billionaire tycoon. You know, wanting to have his hand in all kinds of business ventures. And uh, he recruits uh, Gus to help him, you know, gain more power with... You know, with the by using the computer skills that Gus has to manipulate shit around the world uh, with their Vulcan satellite uh, thing that they got going on, because um, because Gus, uh, he learns about the how in the system there's like about like fractions of of a cent, uh, and uses that to, because he you know he he complained about his very very small paycheck on his first paycheck with the job, and he you know fixes it in the system the the fractions of the cent and. You know, his next paycheck that he gets after that is like forty thousand something dollars. I didn't write down the dollar amount, so. Uh, uh, but, yeah, he he because he he notices that he did that in the system, and he uses that to and he uses him for, uh, to like I said, the Vulcan satellite. That's yeah, so it is, uh, because he has a thing with Columbia because he's trying to, uh, get in on the coffee business through Columbia because you know Columbia is famous for their coffee. Uh, yeah, it says, yeah, you manipulate with the Vulcan satellite causing crazy weather events and other disasters uh, in Colombia. And, and uh, yeah. yeah, but then when Superman, yeah, I have, because I'm just reading from my notes here and then giving my thoughts as soon as I'm finished because it's Superman becomes, when Superman becomes a problem for them, Gus, they have Gus try to recreate Kryptonite. But he accidentally makes red kryptonite, even though it's not red. Yeah, I actually wrote it down that way because, because uh, he sends off a thing like from like NASA, like a satellite, like a you know one of the shuttle things, to get a reading of the area where krypton exploded, and sends back to Earth all the ingredients or elements of what krypton was. And there's an unknown element, you know, like you know, like the secret ingredients in in like cigarettes or whatever. Uh, although what Gus he says the secret ain't. Recipe from from kit from the from the from the fried chicken, you know KFC obviously. And and now and instead he highlights where it says unknown and he puts tar and that's how he accidentally creates the red kryptonite even though it's just it's still green. <coughs> yeah, I got the corona. No, I don't. Sorry, I don't. Um. Uh, yeah, it says and Gus uh, goes in disguise to as a military person to present it to Superman. When he's given the key to the city in Smallville, uh, because Superman was invited by uh, Lana's son uh, as a for his birthday, and it 
blows up into shit that it wasn't supposed to be. Um, yeah, and then when he gives him that, he Superman slowly descends into the dirty alcoholic asshole Superman that you know you see in memes all over social media. I'm sure a lot of you have. And this one, he you know starts doing all kinds of like you know devious kind of stuff where he uh, he unleans the Leaning Tower of Pisa. Uh, and then he blows out the Olympic flame from one of the runners that he had been, you know, running for so many miles, and he Superman just whoosh, blows it out. And then he busts open an oil ship because uh, once, uh, you know, Gus uh, does the job for uh, Mister Webster to, you know, wipe out Columbia so he can take over the for the coffee, he decides to go after the oil, and the plan was to have. You know, hack into basically. I think I have it in my notes on the next page. Yeah. Yeah, Mr. Webster tasks Gus with hacking into the oil systems uh, all over the world, and uh, Gus in return asks to build a supercomputer that does whatever he tells it to do and fights back if anyone tries to hurt it. And yeah, that he, you know, basically gets all the oil ships to. You know, rendezvous to a midpoint in in the middle of the Atlantic, and that's supposed to have him in control of all the oil. You know, because you know if you if you if you know anything about oil tycoons, they're they are rich motherfuckers pretty much. Um, and then the the ship that wasn't wasn't cooperating, he because they were taking bringing oil to Metropolis. That's the one that they have Superman destroy. Um, and they do began to do that because a woman that her name is Lorelai. She's the she was supposed to be the hot blonde in the movie. And she plays the ditzy blonde character. That's, uh, I guess, the love interest of Mr. Webster. And she plays the dumb blonde, but she's actually like she's actually a genius. Uh, but she doesn't let them know about that until, you know, at the end of the movie. When um, his, the, Mr. Webster's sister, can't remember what her name was, I didn't write it down. Um, when they're all in danger at the end of the movie. But I'll get to that in a little bit. And the next thing I have on there is, uh, oh yeah, we get the big Clark Kent versus Superman fight in the junkyard that ends with good guy Superman returning and undoing the bad shit that he previously had did. And he does that here and then later on in the film that he plugs in the where he ripped open the oil from the uh, from the the oil ship and then he he leans the the Tower of Pisa back into place and you know other shit too. Um, and then when he, when Superman tracks back to where the, uh, uh, where Mr. Webster, uh, his little hiding place, they, you know, he gets the signals for them to go to where they are building the supercomputer for, uh, Gus, and that's when we get the, the big, the video game sequence in the canyon, which I have it in my notes here, it says, it was terrible even back then, because... It's, and it's literally a video game simulation because it even has a, a points counter in the corner and a, and it's keeping score. Which, I mean, because they're, they're launching real missiles at Superman, but the screen that he's fighting from, it's it's a video game. And they even have the video game sound effects. And it's just like, I understand because in the 80s, that's when video games were starting to really become something. And I thought, I'm sure they thought that the kids would love that. But I don't... I don't know if it if it had the desired effect that they would have wanted that they were trying to go for because it looked so ridiculous and you know 
and I and I'm sure if I if I had seen it brand new back then, I mean, it came out in what year did Superman three come out? Let me see. Uh, it came out in '83, so I wasn't even born yet. Uh, so I'm sure if I, I'm sure if I had seen it, I would have thought, like, like why is it? I would have probably like, but why is it? Why is it a video game now? No, probably not. But I'm just assuming, because um, but looking at it now, like even though I'm, I'm a sucker for vintage video games, it it was stupid in my opinion. I don't know why they decided to do that. You know, like I said, probably because they tried to you know win over the video game people of of that of that era. But uh, it was stupid, and uh, was uh, I mean the you know, but going back to the junkyard fight with Clark Kent and Superman, it's like that's the part that everyone remembers the most about the movie. It's probably the best part of the entire film. It it really is. I mean, when I was rewatching it, you know, I was actually into it because it's like I don't remember it. I didn't remember it going exactly the way it did. Where you know, which I'm still confused as to wh- how they split where. You know, they have the dirty, you know, bad guy Superman, and then Clark Kent detaches from him. I don't, I don't, I don't understand, like, I mean, I understand, like, the visually, how they did that, but I mean, as far as, in terms of the story, how and why that happened. I don't know. Because I understand it was, it's, it's, I'm guessing it's meant to be, like, a metaphor where he's fighting his, his own, his demons that he was battling because of the, the red kryptonite that fucked him up, but... I don't know. It's. I mean, it, it was it was cool to watch. You know, I, don't get me wrong, but just. Um. I don't know. It's just. Um. Uh, it's just. I don't know if 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 it, did what they were wanting it to do, or it's, or or told what it what the whatever story they wanted it to tell, but I I still enjoyed it. That part was cool. Um, but and I do think it's funny how, how dirty Superman's suit became, uh, while he was like that, cause like the, the cause the bright red boots and everything that was red on the suit, came out came out to like a maroon color, um, and then he had like like a five o'clock shadow. He had some grays in his hair, which I don't know why he had grays. You know, I'm, I'm sure that was you know probably Christopher Reeve's real hair starting to show. Um, or real hair, or color rather, but um, I don't know. Uh, but I mean, it was still cool. And then we get to, we do get to the canyon. That's where I stopped taking notes because that's when it got even way more ridiculous uh, than I remembered. And and that's yeah, that the computer because it's supposed to detect people's weaknesses and use it against them. And it detects Superman's weakness and it fights him with real kryptonite. And he's you know, it's weakening him and killing him, and Gus decides to, you know, like no, I don't, I don't want any part of this anymore. So he goes to save Superman, and uh, he by shutting, trying to shut off the machine, but then the machine fights back, hit foot with him shutting it off, and Superman once he gets free, he flies off to get some type of like nuclear whatever thing to like trick the the, the computer. And then the uh, uh, Webster's sister gets sucked into the computer and becomes like a weird mechanical robot th- fucking thing. I don't know how and why that happened. You know, but that was the only other thing I remembered. And you know, that it gives her you know like radioactive powers. She starts 
like shooting beams at at at, at her brother. Um, and then Superman eventually does save all of them, and I assume they all went ended up in jail. Um, because we don't really get to see that, or did they die? I don't. I I don't remember. I'm I'm I'm. Let me see. What what time is it right now? Because I'm recording this very early. All right, it's two thirty. So I'm my memory's a little off. Um, um, but yeah, I mean, compared to Superman four, this is definitely much better. Um, I got a thing in my eye. Uh, sorry, but um, yeah, it's. Definitely better than Superman 4, but it's still a pretty stupid movie. Um, but, you know, moving on to the next one, which I guess this one would be number 5 on my list. It is uh, Superman Returns, which I know a lot of people consider Superman Returns to be the worst Superman movie, and I can understand why I can. But I actually really like Superman Returns. It's, you know, it has, it has its issues. It, do, it does. It, and I have my issues with it. You know, and I didn't take any notes on that one because that because because that one I've seen so many times I pretty much have it memorized in my head and you know basically this what what Superman Returns was basically going to pick back up from the ending of Superman two and cancel like basically pretend that Superman three and four never happened and like essentially like a lot of movies that have that have come out in recent years did like you know twenty eighteen's Halloween undid. Everything that happened after the first Halloween, uh, Terminator Dark Fate undoes everything that happens after Terminator Two. Um, uh, I think there's, I'm sure there's more. I just can't remember them off the top of my head. But yeah, those are the two that come to my mind to my memory immediately. But when I'm talking about that, I know we had Brandon Routh or Ruth as Clark Kent Superman, and I love I loved him as Superman. He, I thought it was great, and it was awesome seeing him on the uh, Crisis crossover. Uh, uh, between you know from last year and earlier this year, where he played Kingdom Come Superman, and he looked, he looked like Superman. I loved it, um, and uh, Kate Bosworth as Lois Lane, which you know I like Kate Bosworth. She was a beautiful Lois Lane, um, and we had a uh, Sam Huntington as Jimmy Olsen, and uh, Frank Langella as Perry White, and I thought he was I thought he was great. I like Frank Langella. He's he is definitely a wonderful actor, um, and Kevin Spacey as Lex Luthor, and you know, ignoring the uh, troubles that he's had over the last few years, and, you know, the dirty shit that he's gotten, the dirty mess he got himself into. I'm gonna ignore that for now, and just say that I enjoyed him as Lex Luthor. I thought he did a very good job, um, and. Uh, what else? Oh yeah, Parker Posey. She was in there. I don't remember what her character's name was. Uh, Kitty something. Uh, I like her. You know, but I, but I, I like Parker Posey. She's she's always been a favorite of mine. Um, but yeah, the story. Yeah, it's basically just canceling out everything after Superman two. So like Superman three never happened. Superman four never happened. And uh, Lois Lane has a son that later on you know we find out is. Superman's son, um, but she's also engaged to uh, uh, James Marsden's character. It's I can't remember the, the first name. It's off the top of my head. It's, you know, he's he's Perry White's nephew, but I can't remember his first name. Uh, I don't know. Um, I like him too. You know, of course, he's he's there because the you know, director Brian Singer, who has his own 
issues that, you know, I won't talk about. You know, he's there because he worked with him on the X-Men films, you know, X-Men 1, 2, and Days of Future Past. Uh, so they have their friendship, and he decided to come along and, you know, join him for this one. Um, and I enjoyed him as well uh, in the film. God, I can't remember. I'm trying to remember what the, what the hell this, his name, this character's name was. Uh, I don't know. Well, it doesn't really matter at this point. But um, yeah, and I know most people thought that this was a very boring movie, and I get it. There's not a lot of action. I mean, the most action that you get from this movie is uh, the airplane sequence uh, when he when Lois is uh, covering this uh, like shuttle launch thing where it's like a regular airplane and then a space shuttle connected and then they detach and it was you know they went into turbulence with that so you know which that was a great sequence it was a very superman sequence was pretty cool um but for most people after that the film just takes a nosedive you know which is kind of funny but because the plane takes a big nosedive uh which i mean again i can get that i understand that i do you know it's 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 not the most exciting Superman movie. I, I I will grant you that, but I still enjoy it. You know, and I can watch it several times and not get bored with it. That's just me. Um. And, and the other cool part that I remembered is when is the guy that shoots the tries to shoot the bullet into Superman's eye, and it just bounces off like nothing. That's cool. You know, even it was in the trailers, so you know everyone already knew that that was coming. You know, which. You know, I hate when trailers give away too much of the movie, and sometimes they just give flat out give away the, the the twi- the plot twist or the even the ending of the film, like the Terminator Genesis gave away the plot twist of John Connor, uh, in that movie, uh, which if you have, if you haven't seen it yet, I'm not gonna spoil it for you. If you if you want to see it, and a lot of people were not happy about that, you know, from seeing it in the trailer. And then seeing it in the movie again. And even the director hated that they gave it away in the trailer and on the poster. Like, it's front and center on the poster. Uh, whoever, whoever did the marketing for that film. I don't know. But anyways, back to Superman Returns. And, and after, yeah, after he does the stuff with the plane and bullet in the eye that bounces off like a toy or whatever. Uh, then Superman... Uh, I'm sorry, like Luther goes to Superman's Fortress of Solitude and uh, we get a, uh, a reconstructed uh, Marlon Brando as Jor-El on there, which I wonder if uh, Marlon Brando's estate got uh, anything from that. Um, and, uh, shit, I'm trying to remember now. Uh, oh yeah, and then he gets all the information about the crystals and, uh, and Lex Luthor goes to this museum that they had a, a kryptonite sample and uh, he decides to use that and um, because you know this version of Lex Luthor he's, it's basically supposed to be you know Gene Hackman Lex Luthor who's obsessed with real estate so he's trying to get real estate with because he's going to take the crystals and the kryptonite combine it together and make his own little his own little island thing and and uh and that's that's a big plot point later on where superman flies over to there to try to stop lex luthor but then he also yeah but he has to go save metropolis because the growing thing is 
basically fucking up the you know mainland of metropolis so he goes to save that so that's a pretty cool sequence as well you know it's again it's a very superman thing that he has to do and the other thing is the cgi on superman returns it's it's a little it's a, it's, it's not so great at times you know because some it's it because every because it's a, it's all it's all filmed on digitally on digital cameras and sometimes it, it looks like it's a video game you know you know like like a playstation 3 game because you know PS3 was had just come out around that time, or was going to be coming out. I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, it looked like a video game. So, you know. Uh, but you know, the, I mean, it still looked good. You know, and the music was good. It was a uh, John Ottman. Is that how it's pronounced? Uh, basically, like recreating a lot of what John Williams did in the other Superman films. Uh, so you know, I enjoy I enjoy the score. I listen to I listen to it a lot. I have my my little DC Comics playlist on Spotify that has a that when I listen to it every now and then a lot of the Superman Returns songs come up. Um, and uh, and then you know basically like like the subplot of the film is like the like un, like the unspoken love triangle between uh, between Clark and Lois and uh, the other I can't, God I can't remember what what his name was. And I'm too lazy to, to, to check it right now on the, on, on on Google. Uh, fuck. Yeah, f- no, fuck it. I'll, I'll just I'll check it because I, I, it's it's gonna be bugging me. And I let's see. All right, all right. IMDb. All right. Scroll it up. All right. Superman Returns. All right. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on, James Morrison. Who the fuck was your character's name? Come on, there we go. Come on, Richard. God, how, how such a simple name, and I couldn't remember. Jesus. Hey. Uh, anyways, yeah, and hey, I forgot. Yeah, we had Cal Penn and Eva Marie Saint. Eva Marie Saint was Martha Kent, and Cal Penn was Stanford. That's the that was the guy's name. Uh, but yeah. And then when yeah Clark goes back to the little island, uh to you know stop Lex Luthor, it's because it's it's laced it's basically laced with kryptonite. So Superman is weakened and you know almost dies. You know and you know Lex has like a jagged piece of of a uh, of kryptonite like almost like a shank. And when Superman is weakened, he he comes from behind and he stabs him and lets out this weird scream that doesn't look like it's even coming from him. It's like, Grrr. I mean, there's no gargle to it. Sorry, I had saliva in my mouth. It was like, Grrr. and it was weird. It didn't sound like him at all. It didn't sound like Brandon at all. But yeah, um, it, it sounded like like it was somebody else that came in to do some ADR. But yeah, um, but then yeah, they, you know, he they dump him into the water. Lois, Richard, and the son come to rescue him. Oh yeah, and I forgot the sun when they're when Lois and them are, you know, kidnapped on the ship because she was trying to track down the, you know, point of origin of where of the blackouts that were caused by Lex Lu- using the crystals. Uh, and you know that they're being held in like the bottom under in the like downstairs area of the ship where there's like a big grand piano, and um, one of Lex's henchmen is gonna you know fight Lois because she uses the fax machine to send the coordinates 
to Daily Planet so that they could find her. And uh, he shoves the, the piano into the henchman and kills him. And that's how we know, that's when we find out that he is Superman's son. And, uh, so that was, that part was, that was another pretty cool part. Yeah. I didn't see Superman Returns in the, in the theaters, but I would have loved to have been there to see how people reacted to that. Um, I imagine it would have been 50-50. But, yeah. And then, yeah, Superman, after he's rescued by, by Richard, Lois, and the son, uh, he, he go, he takes the, the big, like, little kryptonite island, and then Lex and the, them, and all of them, they escape out in the, in their little private plane as well, and then Superman, he take, lifts it up and get, takes it out of the earth, but then, because it's getting laced with kryptonite, he's weakened by that, and he drops down to earth, uh, and then he's, he's practically dead, but not really dead, and then they snatch him, and bring him over to uh, the hospital and they try to revive him, put a needle in his arm and the needle broke. They try to revive him with the with the with the paddles and that machine explodes as well and yeah, I mean and then Superman once he's resurrected or whatever, uh, or he's still like in coma and Lois whispers in his ear they you know they, that the kid is his son and you know, he eventually leaves the hospital and Flies over to Lois's house, which, you know, that's another part earlier in the movie that Superman is just flying around and he kind of follows her to her home in like a very stalker way, watching her inside the house using the X-ray vision. It's weird, you know. It's a very, it's a very un-Superman like thing to do, but yeah, and uh, it's just. And then he yeah, he goes there and gives the speech to the son that Marlon Brando's uh, Jor-El had given him. The you know the f- son becomes the father, the father becomes the son. Um. And then you know he flies off and does the the Christopher Reeve, you know, you know flying over the earth and looks to the left, looks to the right, looks at the camera and smiles, and the movie's over. And it's like, yeah, anyway, to me it's not to me. I mean, I can understand why people didn't like the movie, but I like it. You know, it's just Brian Singer was was basically trying to recreate the Richard Donner Christopher Reeve Superman. He didn't he didn't try to bring anything original to it. Mm. You know, and that's why I always laugh about when people talk about, oh, we need more of the Christopher Reeve Superman. Literally, was getting exactly that. It was Superman Returns. People hated it. And didn't do so well financially at the box office, but, you know, what do I know? Um, but yeah, moving on to here, let me double check on my, because I have my list listed on here and I didn't remember exactly where, oh yeah, alright, yeah, I do got it right, right there. Uh, yeah, the number four on my list, it is Superman 2, and I have my notes here, let me just turn the pages because I got two pages worth of notes because this I, I'm talking about the both the theatrical and the Donner Cut which I mean Donner Cut Snyder Cut you know you, you already know you already know all, of, all what I have to say about that by checking some of my previous Snyder Cut videos and podcasts that I've done but yeah I'm going to be comparing different parts of the theatrical and the Donner Cut like I see the 
uh, in the theatrical cut, it opens with Superman, or well, Lois Lane is covering a terrorist attack in Paris on the Eiffel Tower, and and I didn't realize it until watching it this time. I'm a big Harry Potter fan, and realized that the actor Richard Griffiths, I think is the name, who played Vernon Dursley in the Harry Potter films, is one of the terrorists in the opening attack on the Eiffel Tower. So that's pretty cool, um, and um, which. And the thing is, because, like, Lois is there, because, you know, she's, you know, the investigative reporter that wants to get the story. You know, that's what she does in every version of Lois Lane. But this one, in trying to get her the story about the terrorist attack, you know, she tricks a, one of the, like, police officers that's, like, at the bottom of the tower, trying to keep the people away, because they have a, the terrorists have a hydrogen bomb that's going to explode, and they have some, you know, hostages up in, upstairs. And uh, Lois... When, and when she tricks him by, you know, giving him, like, a English, French to English to French dictionary, or I think it is, that she, she, like, scurries off in a very weird, like, sprint, where she's, like, like that. Um, you know, if, you know, you're watching this on YouTube, you see what the sprint was. But then, like, and she goes all the way upstairs, and her genius way of trying to get the story is, I have it written right here. Lois hiding under the elevator is fucking stupid. That's exactly what I wrote down for my notes because it is fucking stupid. It is fucking stupid. And just why? Why? Because the Eiffel Tower is huge, obviously. Um, why would you hide underneath? Why would you hide under the, the elevator like th- several stories above the ground where one slip and you're dead? Um. Yeah, but then Superman decides to, you know, rescue her as he always does, and he takes he pushes the elevator that has the hydrogen bomb in it, throws it up into space, and it explodes. And the rate the ricochet effect of the bomb frees Zod and his team out of the Phantom Zone. I actually have it written right, right here. Yeah, Zod and company are freed from the Phantom Zone. The theatrical cut is by the hydrogen bomb blast, and then the in the Donner cut, they are freed from the Phantom Zone by one of the missiles from from the ending of Superman of the first Superman film that Superman throws into space. That explodes, and that is what oh, breaks oh, breaks them out of the Phantom Zone. So you know, Donner cut does a very good is was like pretty much exactly gonna pick up right after right at the end of Superman one. That's where the Donner cut comes in because. You know the story of the with the, with that is that while filming Superman one, he was Richard Donner was also filming Superman two, because he had the intention of going straight into Superman two, right away. Like they would he would have Superman one, in seventy eight and then seventy nine would have Superman two, but you know if you're familiar with the whole thing with the Donner cut, you already know all the shit that went down with that. Um, and and I also have right here for that Marlon Brando as Jor-El. Uh, is not in the theatrical cut because like I have right here he sued the the Salkinds so that they couldn't use his name, face, or likeness in the film, uh, but he does appear in the uh, theatrical or not sorry, the Donner cut instead, and because he was loyal to Richard Donner because he's who gave him the job he wanted to work with Richard Donner so he was there for Superman the movie and for Superman two. The, the Donner Cut version. You know, that's why in the theatrical version of Superman 2, Superman is communicating with his mother instead of, you know, his father. Uh, and then, you know, Lois and, and Clark, they 
you know, are tasked by Perry White to visit the um, Niagara Falls, uh, pretending to be a newlywed couple because they, he wanted to cover the newlywed activity in the area, which I'm not sure why. I don't, I don't really pay attention to that, but uh, only thing I can say about that is I have written down right here, the kid at Niagara Falls, fuck that kid. And if you've seen Superman 2, you know which kid I'm talking about. The one that's playing on the railing right above of Niagara Falls. And he falls into the water and then Superman saves him. Like I said, fuck that kid. He's fucking stupid. He should have died. Because he was being fucking stupid. And the, the mom said, stop stop doing that. He falls over and almost dies. And then, But I do love how... Because I, 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 I watched the theatrical and then Donna Cup back to back. I can't remember which one had which... After Superman saves him, the mom grabs him by the arm and it's like basically ripping, like yelling, like almost yelling at him. Basically like, you know, like, like what the fuck was wrong with you? But well, she didn't say what the fuck was wrong with you. Um, uh, oh yeah, we also have uh, Lois trying to prove that Clark Kent is Superman because she's starting to put it together in this film. And she does, the, she does, she tries, she tries to do so by essentially attempting to kill herself in both versions of the movie. The difference is in the, which you know, was fucking stupid by the way, uh, in the theatrical cut, she jumps into the water of, of Niagara Falls so that Clark will f- turn into Superman and go to save her, which he kind of does, but doesn't doesn't really because he's still dressed as Clark, and he runs down the boardwalk and like uses his his heat vision to knock down a branch for her to hold on to, and then but in the Donner cut. She jumps out the window at Daily Planet because she just glances over at, at Clark, has the newspaper in front of her, and takes a, sh- a black marker and starts doodling on it to put the glasses, puts the hat, puts a blazer and tie, and then she says, it's like, oh, look, you're, you're Superman. And then to, tries to prove that, prove that by jumping out the window, fall, almost falling to her death, but Clark speeds down, Opens up the little canopy thing at the entrance, so that she bounced off of that. Well, he slowed her down by blowing into the into the air. She bounced off of that and landed on a fruit cart that was outside. So, yeah. Um, and then also Clark revealing himself to to be Superman while they're at Niagara Falls, and the theatrical cut. He trips over the bearskin rug that's in the hotel room. And he falls into the the little fire that's in the in the room, you know, which I mean I've I've been burned by fire before, you know, where it's just you fall into it, and you don't you, you don't always get the you don't always get burns on you right away like like you know like you would think you would, because uh, I you know I used to work in fast food I've been burned by hot oils and grills, the hot oil get will definitely leave a mark on you instantly, but like fire doesn't get you right away, um, in my experience at least. Um, so, you know, when, if that being how she, it's like, oh, I knew you were Superman, like, mm, yeah, I get it, but at the same time, like, you know, the flame, flame doesn't leave a scar on you right away. Uh, but in the daughter cut, Lois shoots Clark in the chest with a gun, uh, and it turns out to be a, a, bl- a blank, you know, round. And the thing is, like, the way, in this, but this version of the daughter cut, it goes a little back and forth because some parts of it are like you know the actual f- scene that Donner intended to film, and parts of it were from a from a screen test that he that 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 they had done for the scene. That's why his glasses keep changing every few seconds. 
and that, and those are the scenes where he reveals himself to be Superman, and and then and I have this because he takes her to the Fortress of Solitude, and this, gives up his powers for Lois, hated it as a kid, I hate it now, and yes, yes, I do hate it very much, because and in the theatrical cut, you know, he's speaking to his mother about it. And, you know, she's being very motherly to him. And, you know, it's all sweet. And, you know, the mo molecule chamber, go in there. It'll take his, his drain his powers. And, you know, but in the, the Donner cut, he's communicating with his father, Jor-El. And Jor-El is saying that he's being, telling him that he's being selfish, which he is. Because he's basically saying, like, you know, you're, you're, you're going to, you know, give up saving the people of Earth. For you, for to for your selfish needs, which he was being very selfish. Let, let's be honest, he was being selfish. He was giving up being a hero so he so he can get some. He can you know basically so he can fuck Lois, which he does in both versions of the film. Um, but in the in the, in the Donner cut, he has sex with her f at first. He has sex with her first and then goes into the chamber because right because you see her, she comes out wearing his his shirt, his Superman shirt. And, you know, like, knee-high socks, which I enjoyed that. Um, but in the theatrical cut, it's, he gives up his powers, and then they go have sex, which is just, I don't know. Um, yeah, but, uh, yeah, that the Zod and Ursa and Nan, they, after having an altercation with some astronauts, which they very, very clearly kill the astronauts, they do. You know, you know, I'm sure people could, you know, debate me on that, but to me, they definitely killed them. Uh, they ended up in Houston, Texas, or East Houston, is, is what the town was called, and they killed civilians. I mean, they didn't kill all of them, but they killed some civilians. Yes, they did. And, um, and, and I always, I always thought how they pronounced it Houston, you know, the planet Houston, you know, the the great Terrence Stamp as General Zod, and uh, and uh, Sarah Douglas as Ursa, which she is she is such a lovely woman. I've I've had interactions with her a few times on Vero, uh, and she's just so kind, so sweet. I very, a very she loves she loves interacting with her fans. You know she's she's she she's I would love to actually meet her one day. I really do. Um, oh yeah, and we. Uh, get, after Clark gives up his powers and him and Lois go to the diner and you know Superman has that fight with the guy at the diner and this is how I, this is how I wrote my notes says Clark getting beat up by the guy in the diner he didn't even try to fight back and it's true he he stands up and looks like he's ready to fight but then but then he just takes it he just gets his ass kicked and it's just like you're not even trying it's like the guy he, when he goes, he he steps up and he goes, like, uh, you want you want to take this outside? And he turns around, you know, to go outside so they can fight. And the guy punches him from behind, throws him into basically into like a little glass panel, and he cuts him. But then he gets up and he just stands in front of him, just doesn't even and doesn't even try to throw a punch. The guy elbows him, and then slams him onto the counter, and it's just like, fight back, fight back. And I know you don't have your powers, but fight back, be a man. Uh, yeah, and then 
Uh, Superman gets his powers back uh, by hitchhiking his way back to uh, the Fortress of Solitude because after he went into the Molecule Chamber, his little crystal, little crystal computer thing blows up. And then the theatrical cut, he sees the glowing green stick that he that he has in the first film, and they just cut away and nothing else happens. But in the Donner cut, he he finds it, and he inserts it into one of the little slots for the crystals, and he communicates with his father Jor-El one last time, because he essentially transfers whatever's left of him into Clark to make him Superman again. Um, which that version is much much better. I like that. I like that more because you actually feel the weight of the situation when he when that happens. Uh, and before I even finish, I'm just gonna say Donner cut much much better, so much better. Um, uh, oh yeah, and then when they're in Metropolis, they're over here. Lots of destruction in Metropolis when Superman gets his powers back to fight Zod. And this is in both versions and. That's why I think it's funny when they, you know, talk criticize you know a certain other film that I'll be talking about a little later on here about destruction. Even though on my one of my previous Snyder Cut podcasts talked about how every comic book movie has destruction, but nobody criticizes those. They only criticize <clears throat> certain films. But I'll get to those in a little bit. And then we also have the fight in the Fortress of Solitude. I'm going to just go ahead and read my notes on here verbatim uh, from the theatrical cut. A giant cellophane S that he throws at Nan. What the fuck? Seriously, what the... F- and I love that Family Guy made fun of that because it makes no sense. Like, why? Why does that happen? Like, it's literally... It's literally just... Nan is about to come up and Superman just... Huh. Like, why? What... What is it? What was that supposed to even do? It made no sense at all. It was the dumbest... The dumbest thing. I don't get it. It's only in the theatrical version. It's not in the Donner Cut. I, I, don't, I don't get it. Um, and, and then he uh, tricks Zod uh, by... Because Lex Luthor is... You know, he recruited Zod and, and them to, to get Superman because uh, Lex Luthor, he wanted Australia. Uh, yeah, he wanted to... Because remember, he was obsessed with beachfront property. Yeah, but in the Donner Cut, he also wants Cuba. They don't have that in the theatrical one. I don't know why they, they didn't put that there. Because it's, it's kind of funny. Um, yeah, but he... Superman, he kind of like whispers to him. He's like, oh, try to get them to get into there. It's a, yeah, it'll drain them of their powers. Um, yeah, but he... But Superman, doing that, he knows that Lex Luthor is going to rat him out. He's like, oh, don't go in there. It's a trap. And... Yeah, he tricks them. So Superman, he goes into the molecule chamber, and it making them think that he is giving up his powers. But instead, Superman had reworked it so that it's draining them of the powers, not him. Superman is protected inside the, the machine, or or the chamber booth thing. And then he breaks Zod's hand, tosses him into the ice, and then non falls down into the ice as well, trying to rescue him. And then Lois punches Ursa down into the ice as well. And in the, the theatrical cut, we're basically led to believe that they're dead. You know, that they fall into the ice, we don't see them again. That's it, you know, they're dead. That's it. That's it. But in the Donner cut, 
they are alive because in a deleted scene, it shows them being arrested by U.S. Arctic Patrol. Yeah, we see, yeah, Nan, Ursa, Zod, and Lex Luthor being arrested. In a in a deleted scene, which, right, you know, if I was good with editing stuff like that, I actually, I would love to take all the deleted scenes that are from the Donner cut and add and insert them back in to make it a full, like, complete movie. I don't know how well it would play, you know, together, but you know, it's something I would love to see. And, um, and then Clark, uh, wiping Lois's memory at the end of the movie. Um, in the theatrical cut, he does so by kissing her and she like gets lightheaded and she almost faints and it's like she has no memory of pretty much any of that stuff again. And the Donner Cut, he does it by spinning the Earth back, like he does at the ending of, Superman, of the first Superman film. Um, and it's, yeah, I mean, both both of them are stupid in my opinion. <laughs> it is. Uh, oh, and then the one that I love debating with people on social media about, when Clark goes back to the diner to confront that guy who, you know, was mean to him at the beginning, or not the beginning, but earlier in the film, that he confronts him, and it's like, he was being selfish again. He wanted to show up, this guy. He wanted to show off by, you know, that he made the comment, because the guy the guy is a dick. Yeah, we know that, and, you know, we, we want to see Superman beating him up, but as Clark, he's using his Superman powers and beating up a civilian. You know, but, you know, that's, that's the Superman that these bloggers want to see. Uh, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, now we have number three on my list. And it is, just like with my Batman list, it is one that not, I don't know how many people would count it as a, as a Superman film, but I count it as one because it is very much a Superman story, and that is Batman vs. Superman Ultimate Edition. And... I've talked about this enough times on here, and I have my whole podcast episode where I talk about it, but I love Batman vs. Superman, especially the Ultimate Edition. You know, I saw the, I saw it in theaters twice, was great, and seen it on the Ultimate Edition on Blu-ray countless times, even see whenever it's on TV, playing on TNT, I'll watch it. Even my mom, my mom loves Batman vs. Superman. She's, you know, a couple of times I've seen, when Zack Snyder did the co- the, the commentary a few weeks ago, for Batman vs Superman, my mom was watching it also, but she was watching the one on TBS. Uh, it was, it was just, it's just funny that you know, because because she she loves you know the the older you know Michael Keaton Batman movies. She loves the Christopher Reeve Superman movies, but she also loves this one, Batman vs Superman with Ben Affleck and Henry Cavill. Um, I mean, and I don't have to go through the whole rundown of what happens in the movie because you guys already know by now. And if you want to hear my thoughts on the movie itself, go back to my Snyder Cut Part 2 podcast where I talked about Batman vs. Superman and how much I love it. But yeah, this... You know, I'll still talk about how much I love it here because, of course, I am. Uh, this, I, the reason why I consider it a great Superman story is because... So, just like with Man of Steel, which I'll get to it. And if, you're, and if you guys know me enough, you already know, you know where that ranks. Um, but... It's a great Superman story because it's, uh, like Zach said in his commentary, that, you know, 
you know, if the world sees Superman as like the, as a as like this godlike being, but to him to himself, he's just Clark. He's just Clark Kent, uh, a guy from Smallville just trying to do the right thing, and yeah, you know, and I I love that, you know, especially especially the 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 must there be a Superman montage, that is such an amazing, and it is my favorite scene in the entire film, you know, well that and the warehouse fight from Batman, but with Superman that is my favorite scene because it's just, it's, and I even I've said it to other people, it that is the heart of the movie because it's. The whole argument is, must there be a Superman? And he's doing all these amazing things, saving these people, simply because it's the right thing to do. And that responsibility weighs heavy on him. So much. Like when he, like the, that, when they show the, the people on top of the, the house, the roofs of their houses, and there's a the big flood. Ah, <coughs> <coughs> oh, God, I haven't taken a drink of water. It's over an hour and I haven't had any water yet. But yeah, that she's reaching out to him, and he's looking down, and it's you know, he and he of course you know he does save them because it's what he does. But it's just you know, yeah. If if there was a real life Superman like that, and just you know, how many of us would be so willing to hold to to bear that such a burden, you know? But he does, and. Like you see how how much the the spot the responsibility of saving these people weighs on him, and it's just and it's it's amazing to me, um, and the and also the when Superman goes up the mountain later on in the movie after uh, the the incident at the Capitol building, uh, which that's another thing that Zach that Zach talked about in the in the commentary that when the thing blows up that. Superman is moved is 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 moved to tears, because as as Snyder put said it, he misjudged, he misjudged the situation yet again, and now these people are dead, because of him. And it it moved him to tears like he he's crying because, he he fucked up, again, you know, and it's I love that and and he has such a real reaction to it, you know, and in the Ultimate Edition they show him saving. These people, like, or or get helping with the survivors, and then one of the EMTs says, "You know, it's okay. I got, I got this now," because it's like, yeah, what else? What else can Superman do? It's like, yeah, he can grab them from the fire and bring them over, but beyond that, what else can he do? You know, and then when he goes off to the up the mountain after that happens, and he sees the spirit of his father, and um, Zack Snyder explained that that. That that is his own fortress of solitude. The fortress of solitude is within him, with the memories of his father, and of the people that are most important to him. The, you know, because his father was his, you know, was his his guiding light. You know, and it's just God. Uh, and, it, and I encourage everyone to listen to his commentary, and I will link the vi- the video to his his commentary from the official Vero YouTube channel. For anyone that wants to check it out, because it is he 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 gives so much great insight throughout the movie, and also shares a lot of storyboard panels to like give people an idea of like yeah this is what we had you know had in mind, and that's what what we had on the screen you know. <sighs> and then also the Superman when he gives the he does the ultimate sacrifice of himself at the end of the movie by giving his life to save the world by taking out Doomsday with the 
Kryptonite Spear. It's just so fucking awesome, so amazing. And it's just... When I saw that in theaters the first time, because I saw it opening day, and when that moment happened, like I, I legit was like, I legit choked up and and and, cry, and cried because it's, because, I mean, because the death of Superman is my favorite comic book, which is, I mean, I, it might sound a little funny because Superman is my favorite character, but just my my favorite Superman comic book is the death of Superman because such a such a heavy story, you know? And I haven't read it in so many years. I have it on my Amazon wish list that I've been meaning to buy that and buy the entire series of the, you know, Reign of Superman and Return of Superman stories. Um, it's just... You know, and the fact that they actually did that in a live-action movie and it's... <sighs> so amazing, such... And the way it was done was so beautifully handled, and, like, and that beautiful score from Hans Zimmer and Junkie XL, just, mm, <sighs> and as Zack Snyder said, I would love to see a sequel to that, you know, want to know what happens to those guys. <laughs> oh, and then number two on my list is Superman the movie, the one that started it all. Um, uh, the original starring Christopher Reeve and Margot Kidder, Gene Hackman, Ned Beatty as Otis, um, and what's her name as Miss Tessmacher, who's just, she was gorgeous, um, directed by the great Richard Donner, of course, uh, written by Mario Puzo, who also wrote The Godfather, um, and the score from the brilliant John Williams, and just, this is another one that's like, you know, what else can I really say about this that hasn't already been said? And this, this is a, you know, even though, like I said, yeah, all, all the Christopher Reeve films had their cheesiness. This one, yeah, Superman, the first one has a little bit of cheese, but it's not quite as much as it would be for Superman 2 and 3 and 4. You know, it had its serious tone. And, they, and I remember even reading that Richard Donner wanted it to be more serious, but the studio pushed for that lighter tone. Sounds familiar, right? Um, yeah, but it paid off. It was a great movie, and you know Kevin Feige of you know Marvel, Marvel, he loves Superman the movie, and that is, and he's, it's 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 common knowledge that this is that he uses this film as the blueprint of what it, oh, what the films of the MCU should be. You know that I've read it. I like I've seen so many so many interviews or and articles that he literally sits the directors down before they start filming their movie, makes them watch that film, and says. I want I want this. Can you make this movie for me? And yeah, so that's why I even said this. I forgot who it was that I said this to years. It was a couple of years ago that I was saying that when the when a win for the MCU is really a win for DC because Superman the movie is the blueprint of the MCU. So yeah, um, and and I've seen it so many times. You know, so and. Like I said, there's really nothing that I can I can say about it that hasn't been said already. Uh, and I have the like I said in the anthology set that have it has the theatrical and the extended cut. Uh, but there is a the three hour TV extended cut that I've never seen. Uh, but I do want to get that. They had they have the 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 Blu-ray for that where it's that one plus the the extended cut that I already have, and I've been debating on getting it. But you know we'll see if I do get that. Um, and. Because apparently, uh, Richard Donner doesn't like the the three hour TV cut, 
of the film. I'm not sure why. Yeah, but then again, I ha- I've never seen the three-hour cut, so I don't know why he would hate it. But, you know, very curious to see how, how much different it is from how much is added in there that's different from the theatrical and extended cut. Um, um, but yeah, but like I said, Superman, you know, the movie, even though Superman 4 was my first time watching Superman, Superman, the movie, you know, is what gave me my love for Superman. I was I was introduced to it by my father. Um, so my love of Superman started with him. So yeah. Um, and then that brings me to my number one, which of course nobody will be surprised to know this because like I said, if you know me, you already know what my number one is. And uh, I was watching Dave the Film Junkie's Vodka stream earlier and a lot of us agreed. Number one, greatest Superman film of all time. Man of Steel. Yes, Man of Steel is, my opinion, the best Superman movie ever made. And, well, if you really want to hear all my thoughts on Man of Steel, go back to my Snyder Cut Part 1, where I talk about Man of Steel in much greater detail. But it's just, I love it so much because it's just, it's something. Di- it was something different. They didn't try to recreate the Richard Donner movies like Brian Singer did. With Superman Returns, because Superman Returns, Brian Singer was literally trying to recreate the Donner Reeve Superman movie, and Zack Snyder, while paying homage to a lot of elements of that film, did his own thing. Uh, he took a story that was written by Christopher Nolan and David S. Goyer, and brought that story to the to the big screen in a way that no one had ever done before. And, and I've, you know, as cheesy as it might sound, Man of Steel is, was my, the first time I experienced Man of Steel, it changed something in me, because I didn't, like, like, I never knew that I wanted this version of Superman in my life, you know, if that makes any sense, you know, and I remember, like, because, you know, even though I I I I'm I've always been a Zack Snyder fan. I've always loved his movies, even though Sucker Punch is the one movie I haven't seen yet. But I'm gonna watch it later tonight for Dave Film Junkie's uh, watch along for uh, Sucker Punch with uh, Justin from Midside is gonna be joining him on that as well. So that should be a lot of fun, getting to experience that film for the first time with them. But yeah, I mean, I love Dawn of the Dead. I love Three Hundred. Love Watchmen. Love the Owls of Gahul movie. Love Man of Steel. Love Batman for Superman. Love Snow Steam Iron. That's a that's another good one from from Snyder. And it's just when I you know first heard about Man of Steel, I was like, all right, you know, another Superman movie. This should be fun. And then when talking to one of my friends, and she told me that it was Zack Snyder, that's gonna, that was directing the movie. My initial reaction was like, wait, the same guy that directed Watchmen is directing is directing Superman. Oh fuck yeah, I'm I'm in for I'm in for this, because I because you know I love Watchmen. I mean, to me, Watchmen is the greatest comic book movie ever made, just my opinion. Um, so when I found out that he was directing Man of Steel, I got even more excited. And then I saw that first trailer, and I got even even more excited. The only regret that I have with Man of Steel is that I didn't get to see it in theaters. That's my biggest regret. I mean, I watched it later on that year because, you know, I 
gotten the DVD for it as a birthday gift, and just fell in love instantly as soon as I saw it. You know, Henry Cavill as Superman, perfect. Amy Adams as Lois Lane. Ah, I love her. Uh, Michael Shannon as General Zod is still my favorite DCEU villain. He's perfect, in my opinion. Russell Crowe as Cal... As not Cal. Jor-El was great. Uh, Kevin Costner as Jonathan Kent was perfect as well. You know, you know, Robin Hood as Superman's dad. Both of his dads. You know, his biological dad was Robin Hood. And his Earth dad was Robin Hood. That's, that's something I always thought was funny. And... And that's another thing, because my dad loved Kevin Costner movies as well, especially Field of Dreams. That that was my dad's favorite. Uh, and his Robin Hood movie, was a, he loved that as well. And because I know my dad loves Superman, and he, he and he and even he would talk about wanting to see Superman, you know, you know, start punching some people. I feel like my dad would have loved Man of Steel. Unfortunately, he passed away the year before. And I've talked about that enough on here. You know... So I I wish he would have been able to experience that, you know. I would have loved to have seen Man of Steel with my father. That would have been probably would have been one of the greatest experiences of my life because I've, you know, my love of those kind of stories are because of him. And <sighs> you know, Man of Steel is a movie that I can never get tired of watching. Same with Batman vs Superman. I never get tired of watching it. But and I know for a lot of people they say Batman vs Superman is their favorite film. Of the DCEU, but for me, Man of Steel is just. I mean, they're both great. They're both phenomenal films, but to me, Man of Steel is just on a whole other level. And and I put I have Man of Steel on my top ten of favorite movies of all time. Not just comic book, but favorite of all time. Man of Steel is there, and because it's just I feel so because every time I watch it, I feel so inspired. You know, it's just and. And then and the music from Hans Zimmer is just, especially the first flight. God, so, oof. Uh, but yeah, if you want to hear more detail, my love of Man of Steel, check out my Snyder Cut Part One, Man of Steel podcast that I did in two thousand eighteen. Oh, and yeah, that's I guess that's a good. That's where I'm gonna end it right now. My, my, you know, worst to best podcast i hope you enjoyed hearing me talk about it you know and if you didn't oh well you listen to me anyways and i hope you enjoyed listening to me talk about it because you know been going at it for almost hour and a half and you know please be sure to check out my batman worst the best my spider-man worst the best my halloween worst the best my classic wrestling pay-per-views my retro film reviews my other podcasts you know episodes my other movie reviews all on here which you can find Spotify, Google Podcasts, CastBox, Radio Public, Breaker, right here on YouTube. Uh, follow me on Twitter at IamFossitude. Follow me on Instagram at Vero at Fossitude. You know, my DMs are always open. You know, if you ever want to talk to me about anything, I'm always available. Support the podcast on, on Patreon, $1 a month. The link is in the description below. Check out my Manitized Podcast store. I have some pretty cool t-shirt designs on there that link is in the description as well and i thank you again for watching listening subscribing tuning in whichever (laughs) uh love and appreciate every single one of you hope you're all doing well and staying safe while this quarantine and pandemic is still going on take care of yourselves and your loved ones take care of each other be good to each other uh 
watch out for each other. Don't hoard too much stuff. Leave some for people who really, really need it. You know, especially when it comes to like food. I don't. You know, when I go to the grocery store, I don't like to see like I. I see people that have like five cases of water. That's too many. Leave some for for the other people. Um, but yeah, you know, thank you for for all for for tuning in and. I am Julian. This has been Words the Best for the Menetized Podcast. And I'll see you all next time. Uh, three, two, one. Bye bye.